0: So guys, it's uh, that time of the week again, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Kickabout um, and this week we are joined by three, man, well two Man United fans including myself and um, as you can see Dave is wearing his Man United jersey with Canton in the background and also Steve, um, another fellow Man United fan. So we've plenty obviously to, to get through but um might just start guys. Grand National um, Masters, did we watch it during the over the weekend? Did we have any interest in it? Any bets on? Um, I start with you, uh, Dave. Uh,
1: no. Uh, in short, <laughs> no, I didn't. And to be honest with you, when I once I saw, um, uh, once I saw Rory take his old man out of it, I, uh, I just, I was just like, oh no, Rory, just there's another, another opportunity gone. Um, and I, I kind of lost interest, I'll be honest. And uh, with the, with the Grand National, I, I was delighted to see um Rachel win that like I thought that was incredible, but uh, I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't been tuned in too much.
0: Steve, have you ever hit um a relative with a golf ball?
2: <laughs> um, I've come close, I've come close on, on one occasion, but um, I might not be as professional as a good old <laughs> were rookie. you
1: ever world number one. No,
2: I, I don't think I was close. Um, I watched the Grand National. Um, we just had a bet on in the house. We all just threw a tenner in and picked four horses each. Um, every single one of my horses fell over. So um, it doesn't really show that I have good uh, betting knowledge anyway.
0: Yeah, I actually okay. threw on a bet on... Um, to be honest, I'm not a betting man half the time I don't really even understand certain things or what the odds are, for. but I threw um, money on um, Burroughs Saint, and it's purely because I've been watching Prison Break. I never watched it at the time. It obviously was a big thing, so I'm watching now, obviously, Burroughs, so I just went with, with Burroughs Saint and finished uh, Fort, I think, so I had each way, but again, I, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar, when you go on to like, the, the, the online... Uh, websites and stuff and next thing you put in each way and it has this return but you actually only get one fifth of it and um, but my eye like... lit up thinking oh this is brilliant I'm gonna win like 60 70 quid but I won I'm gonna say like 14 15 quid or something like that so <laughs> that just shows how naive I am to bet and then the fact that I only bet pretty much once once a year and
1: um, well I got I got a text, um... I think it was the second day um of entry and um long story short, uh my son Dylan is partially named because I'm a, a huge Bob Dylan fan. And uh so um there was a winner who was like 160 or 170 to one um called Freewheeling Freewheeling Dylan and um and like some kid in in leash or somewhere put like 20 quid on it. And and absolutely like there's a there's a video of him going viral, like this this horse was not to win whatsoever. And uh yeah, and 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 he took it home and the kid won a couple of grand. I was like, Oh fucking. So my, my mom texted me the next morning, she was like, you know what? If you put tenor on, I was like, Well, didn't know, so could have told me
0: that's, that's, but, uh, that's yeah. the thing about betting you always kind of hear about those big wins but i don't know how yeah hindsight's wonderful it's fantastic isn't it um mm. But guys, we might uh, might touch on on, on, on the football. Um, you know, Spurs United, obviously, on on Sunday, um, big win, huge win for for United, considering everything that kind of happened in the first half. But I think we've so much to to talk about. Whether it's whether it's VAR, whether it's Mourinho just completely cracking up again, and. Um, might even try the question whether whether you, you guys would would feed your kids if they threw themselves to the ground, and um, maybe even a little bit of a chat about around Henderson or De Gea. Again, Pogba's one of the the, the main talking points after after a game as well. But we might just start with you, Steve. Um, what did you think of Manchester United's overall performance um, on Sunday?
2: Oh, highly commendable, like. We've seen them struggle in the first half with just frustrating um, calls from the referee or just goals being ruled out. And I honestly thought coming into the second half of that game that they would let the frustration get the better of them. But they showed a great uh, calm manner going into the second half and took control and just played the ball, didn't let silly challenges, which did creep into the second half as well get the better of them just a incredible performance of a second half
0: uh, Dave anything else to, to add in terms of the United performance
1: yeah well listen it's the story of our season you know um, for some reason can never can never get g'd up to, to start a game I, I always talk about the, the game against Leeds where we came out of the traps and we were like took the game by the scruff of the neck and we, we never do that um, so the first 45 minutes didn't didn't surprise me in the slightest it was so pedestrian it was so slow and like the the, situ- the, the this low goal was really the kind of like a, a catalyst where you know flying into tackles then and Cavani got a ridiculous yellow card for nothing and um I could see no not Scott wasn't losing his losing his temper, but you could see they were they were frustrated once the goal was disallowed and then Son scored, you know, within two minutes or three minutes later. Um so, you know, getting them in at halftime is important and as always, like he gets them in at halftime and, and suddenly they come out and they play like you play the way you want them to from the beginning, you know their passing is crisp. You know they're 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 making movements. Like the front three weren't really moving or weren't doing much in in the first half, and and then of course it, you know come out and it's like a different team altogether. Like in the second second half performance was probably the best we've seen all season, you know. And Cavani was Cavani was superb. You know he was exactly what we. What we saw from him at the beginning of the season and you know he deserved his goal like the first the, the disallowed goal was a smash and finish it was a, it was a great little move by Pogba it was, his run was timed perfectly the finish first time was smashed like it was a great goal so I, I felt sorry for him that uh, if he'd come away from the game without a goal but the second one was even better I thought so um, yeah like it, it, was, it was the same old story from United you know turn up and uh not really be at it and then go a goal behind
0: and then and then tear teams apart. Yeah I, and to be honest, as as Steve mentioned, how calm United were after a lot of decisions went 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 against them. And obviously we'll will come on to the to the VAR decision McTominay on this low goal. Um but maybe I don't know like of course as United fans we'd love to see them Start games well, like they've mentioned the the Leeds game. But do we have to give Ole a bit of credit for maybe his half halftime team talks, where we do come out and dominate a game or um get the goals obviously that we need to to, to win a game? But I, I tend to agree with with Dave in his um, analysis there that it was probably one of our best half performances of um of the season just how we controlled dominated that that second half. Um what what was your thoughts Steve on the this low goal, Cavani's this low goal? Obviously Var got involved um Son going to the ground, McTominay potentially I was actually worried that once it went to VAR that he'd actually receive a second, I don't know can you receive a second yellow in that case, but I thought I was a bit worried that he might have been sent off. What were what were your thoughts in the kind of the initial moment, Steve? And then obviously the goal scored, celebrations, and then everything shocked yeah, off. Yeah,
2: like like any time the ball hits back in now you kind of just anticipate uh, the camera going to the big screen in the stadium saying VAR check. And uh, obviously they went to a VAR check now, but it wasn't for offside. It was for Kind of a few phases back from when the goal actually occurred, kind of makes you a bit worried that they will check back for a small fells or fells in the lead up to a goal. That are a few phases back that they'll be ruling goals out. Um, there was no intent that I'd see from McTominay, um, it seemed kind of a natural kind of movement from him, and some made mince meat out um as we all seen, kind of a bit of play out from many Spurs players during the game. Brilliant finish. Would have loved if the goal was scored kind of when Cavani first came, that's kind of the kind of goals you were expecting from him. And we, we got one in the second half. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of it's a worry that if this fire decision is something we're gonna see week in, week in, week in week out from
0: uh, the referees and the VAR port official Dave, thumbs up thumbs down for keeping VAR or just I don't know, scrapping it getting rid of it and uh, Steve has his thumbs down anyway So,
1: No John, I'm not, I'm not against getting, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not about getting rid of VAR um, it, it's just it, loads of people are saying it. it's. it's clearly the application so we use it in the Champions League every week. Uh it's it's used in, in Spain and France and Italy and Germany, and no one else seems to have this sort of an issue with it. Uh, certainly not as regularly as we do. Like we're having it in the Premier League three or four games a week. Um and it was something I was I guess I was thinking about uh when I saw the uh, the West Brom game that um and there's been loads of these situations where you know VAR is obviously ch- you know the the guys in Stockley Park are choosing to look at certain incidents, like um, Dean's goal there the other day against for for West Brom. You know that only became a controversy because VAR chose to look at this, um, look at that incident, uh, look at the look at the offside. You know so if. VAR are getting involved in situations that are not clear and obvious errors, then that's a problem. So VAR has to look and say and like the offsides for example if you're looking at millimetres if you're looking at the difference between an armpit and the heel of a boot that's not that's not a linesman making a mistake, that's not a referee not spotting someone being offside that's, that's looking for a problem and seeing if, if there is one there so if VAR had chosen not to look at that offside decision and just allowed it because common sense tells you the linesman can't see that that degree of millimetres then it's, it doesn't become a controversy you know they just, the goal stands if there's a boot, if there's a a, sh- a whole shoulder, if there's if there's something that a, a linesman should have seen and didn't see, then you can then VAR can step in and have a look at it. But if it's literally going every goal, and then crosshairs and lines and everything else to see if it's offside, so it's kind. It feels like at the moment it's going against the idea of. Ruling out clear and obvious errors and going and looking for problems, and that's that's what's frustrating the hell out of fans. So, I think maybe the the officials, it's like it's the application of it. Like they're not they're not having this problem in other places. So, the lowest common denominator seems to be the guys in uh, in the Premier League that are that are creating issues that aren't there. So, another thing is that the, the refs are now going to a touchline to the touchline screen, which we wanted them to do. We wanted them to look with their own with their own eyes more. But now they're watching it as VAR want them to see it. So they're watching it in slow motion. So the, the issue with Scott was he gets down to the touchline. He has no control over the screen. He's shown what VAR want him to look at. So watching him throw his Arm out, and the contact being made with with Son is going to look terrible. It's going to look worse, and it's going to automatically make a decision. So when I'm sitting there watching the game, and I see that Scott's hand makes contact with Son's face, my first reaction was, "Yep, yeah, that's going to rule out. They're going to rule out. It doesn't matter if it was a natural reaction or a natural movement. It doesn't matter that Son was reaching over and trying to hold him back. None of that matters. He's watching a slow motion picture." Of Scott smacking him in the face, and doesn't matter how much contact there was or if it was a natural movement, that's what he's seeing, and that's what he's going to make a call on. And it's it's just every week, in every, nearly every game or every other game, it's something ridiculous like that. So, what was the question? Yeah.
0: <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> in I,
1: I I still think I still think that this can work. If if they look like we're coming to the end of the season, they they have to be able to sit down with with the officials and go, okay, this isn't this isn't working, you know. Even we had this issue a couple of weeks back, and and I know it was a misheard conversation, and it was this thing with Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire, where Luke Shaw thought he heard a referee say to Harry Maguire that he wasn't making a call because it was too controversial even if it's a misheard conversation, that's that's sort of stuff is in people's heads. It's in officials' heads. So there's stuff that needs to be cracked down, but there it, it'll cost a fortune to get rid of it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, VAR isn't making mistakes. It's not it's not creating creating stuff that isn't there. But the guys who are operating it are. And yeah, yeah we need to
0: and and just kind of speaking of, of, of the refs, I, I do think it's great that we're seeing referees go over to the monitor a lot more now. But I really, really felt that... Chris Kavanaugh wasn't that? Yeah, I think it was yeah, Chris yeah. Kavanagh. I just thought that was a huge moment for just referees and VAR to go over, view the situation or view it on the monitor and come back and say... No, it, there was no intent there. Yeah, it was potentially a natural movement of 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 running for Scott McTominay that his arm would go back that far. Yeah, unfortunate. it did catch on in, in the face. But those sort of things happen. Like we obviously saw with, with Pogba and Serge Aurier um, maybe 20 minutes before that, 10, 20 minutes before that. Um, it happened so much. In, in the game and obviously the fact that it was highlighted because there was a goal at the end of it. And um, yes. I just really thought Chris Kavanagh had just a huge opportunity there to, to make the right decision mm. um, and kind of to, to change people's opinions and views on VAR. And obviously he, he, he didn't and it became a controversial decision. Thankfully, um, it didn't Especially with Rashford,
1: like two minutes before that, or two or three minutes before that, yeah, he got it. He got an arm in the face, yeah, um, um, and and it was it was clear and it was blatant and it was you know, um, yeah, it's 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 such an awkward one because, um, I mean, in the context of it, we know that footballers when they 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 put out an arm to. To to shield the ball. That's that's what they do. And I don't know if Chris Cavanagh took it into context that Scott didn't just stick out his arm to shield the ball. He stuck out his arm because Son put his arm around him or, or reached out across his arm to try and to try and slow him down. And his reaction to that was to shield, to put his arm out to shield. Now the distance then meant. It was unfortunate he touched his face, but then the medics came on and all of that. And it was just it took away any sort of sincerity you might have had out of it. Um mm-hmm. so, yeah.
0: to, to, to be honest, yeah, obviously you don't like to see players throwing themselves to the ground and I think we'll we we kind of have to be honest as well that like Bruno Fernandez tends to go down at times a little bit easy as well and calling for free kicks, but that like it doesn't it doesn't annoy me anymore in in a sense that because it happens every game it happens mm-hmm. a couple of times every game so if we were to get annoyed by it every every single time we'd just be annoyed throughout the whole the whole game I don't know would you share that kind of view Steve that we just get used to players falling to the ground whether it's San whether it's Bruno Fernandez whether it's Mo Salah um like what's what was your instant reaction in terms of Son, obviously what happened didn't deserve any sort of racial abuse online afterwards. Um, but what, what, what were your thoughts on on, on Son's reaction?
2: Thoughts well, like, yeah, it was, it was soft and he did make a bit of a, a show. that Well, we see it every game from either our own team or the opposition team, because they do get the fouls. They do get the calls. Sometimes they don't, and they're just told to get up or let their, their teammates or the other team kind of look at them, being like, "Yeah, you're not, you're not getting that one pass. Like, not happening today." Like we've seen it from Bruno, kind of week in, week out, that he kind of looks for FL when there's little to no contact, but he gets them sometimes, and you kind of get lucky in that way. It's part and parcel of the game now, and um, kind of diving and a bit of play acting to some degree. Um, it can get frustrating, especially when you're watching a game and it's not going your team's way. That you kind of pick up on all these maybe dives from another team that you're like, well, oh, why aren't they getting called? Why isn't that getting called? And I think it's a bit more frustrating now when fire looks at some decisions and then other decisions just kind of get left to the wayside. Even when the players call, like, oh, someone's been in the face here. like, And it was a bit more clear and obvious with kind of Rashford um and they kind of just play it off um yeah no abuse is deserved especially from online which we've talked about before especially when racist abuse he's a footballer he's he hasn't done anything he's it's his job he's kind of taught these things in training probably um it's part and parcel of the game doesn't need to play a factor in it um yeah, it's something the game tried to stamp out probably a few years ago with booking more players for diving. but It's very rare to see a player get booked for, for diving now. Um, maybe we'll see it come back into the game at some point. That They'll, they'll try to kind of <laughs> gradually get away from it, whether it be in the Premier League or another league. But some kind of league will try to push away from it in the, in the coming years, once kind of they get a more hang of and the use of it the, the proper use of it i m- might say yeah
0: um, maybe, maybe that's where var could be used again to yeah it, it could be players. more
2: so used in kind of retroactive punishment for players in terms of after the game yeah well so and so happens um the punishment it might not be an added yellow card but it could be half a yellow card let's say that has been added to you as a disciplinary push punishment, and it pushes you closer to that one-game ban or whatever it might be. That it might help cut some of that play acting out again.
0: Yeah. Um. Speaking of 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 discipline, um, it's something that's usually questioned with with Paul Pogba. Um, his second half performance was 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 a real kind of leader's performance. I I, I thought. Um, did everything right. Um, I would have always been, and I and I've said it on the podcast, said it in the in the WhatsApp group to to you guys. At trade the whole season, I'm still. If an opportunity arises in the summer to to move Pogba, on, I think move him on. But again, you can see that kind of debate starting again. We definitely should keep him. But is I don't know, Dave. Do you, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think it's just going to be one of these roundabouts with? with Paul Pogba, his attitude, I believe Amazon um, have agreed a, a, a documentary with him um, to follow his life. I just literally read it maybe about 10, 15 minutes before I came on the, the podcast here. Um, where do you stand on, on, on Pogba? If I can remember correctly, I think you were kind of in the middle when we chatted about it earlier on in, in in the season, but I might be I might not be correct on that.
1: No, I was I was happy for him to go. Um, uh, listen, it it it's completely down to Balbogba. Um, is he playing for a move, or is he playing because he feels like this United team can actually go somewhere and achieve something? Um, if he's playing for a move, then we'll know in the summer. And if he wants to go back to Juventus or if he wants to go to Madrid or wherever it is he wants to go and yeah. he delivers for us between between now and then um and he wants to go, then he can go on his merry little way. Uh however, if it's the former, um then he's he's such he's such a talent. I mean, like we've been saying this for years when when paul pogba's on it, he's he's a super player um on sunday he was so strong like the power that chap has um he he knows how to pick a pass he knows uh, when to wait it. he knows how to um he's he's just he is he is a very very intelligent footballer and he has on his day he can be unplayable um if he wants to stay and he wants to to push on and kick on again from from this season. Great, fine. If 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 I'm getting this Paul Pogba that we've seen for the last four months, then yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, but if he's paying for the move, that's also fine. I'd be I'd be happy happy to take the cash from. Um, I just don't want a headache. I just don't want the Pogba headache because, um, it's it's so frustrating. And if somebody like Donny Van der Beek doesn't actually get a proper chance to play for the club because Paul's flicking about and trying to decide what he wants to do, that would annoy the hell out of me. So um, I guess we'll, we'll see if he's, if he's, if he's happy and he, he looks as content as he has done in all the time he's been at the club. If he's happy to stay and, and do what he's been doing, yeah, cool. But if he wants to move on, it's all right.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw something in, in terms of stats with Paul Pogba and it was a comparison between his time at Juventus and his obviously return to Manchester United. And he's roughly played the same amount of games, but I think he's had, is it two seasons now, more at United, maybe even, even a season. So it just mm-hmm. shows... How many injuries he's he's picked up at United and games he's missed. I know he missed pretty much the majority of last season. Like you said, Dave, it's it's down to Pogba. But Steve, do you trust Pogba? Do you trust his his why or his reason for performing? Um I I think I I'm 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 in the the I'm in the but if, but if um, he's
1: so sorry to cut across the guy but if he's playing for a move then he'll want that move in the summer do you know so like whether we trust him or not doesn't really well it doesn't really matter because once the summer comes through if he wants that move then he'll then he'll more than likely get it do you know do you know what i mean yeah. um but it'd be it, but different it's... if we were talking about if we were talking about last september you mm-hmm. know where you you're wondering if he's just gonna mess about and sit on the bench or, you know, put in half hearted performances, but he's putting in performances now. He wants to play in the Euros obviously, which that's not in question. He will play in the Euros, but you know, if he's playing for the move then we're getting the benefit of it and oh, yeah. come the summer he gets it, you know? Yeah.
0: But, but where I'd be questioning question his trust is maybe at the moment he sees potential in this United team, um. Because when you think about it, when Pogba left United to go to Juventus, he was surrounded by winners, Alex Ferguson, a winning mentality, a good environment. And then he returned to this environment that was completely different, completely changed. So maybe at the moment I'm I'm thinking that Pogba sees potential in this United team and now he's upped his game because he sees potential. But will he potentially down tools and not perform and half our Performances next season if he decides to stay and he wants to stay, but things are a bit more tricky in 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 terms of whatever's going on at United. Um, I don't know, Steve. What's your kind of predicament with Paul Pogba?
2: I'm on the fence as well. Like I, I'd agree with everything David said in terms of if he wants to leave in the summer and that's what he's playing for. Then it's it's fine, but. If he's playing like this because he sees the potential, then um, happy days. Like hopefully we'll see that going into next season if he stays. Um, yeah, when you mentioned that when he came back to United and maybe some of the talent that was there, and it wasn't a squad that was maybe used to winning league titles and trophies, like when Ferguson was in charge, like he's played at United at a youth level and then a game here or two under Fergie and then he moved to Juventus who are used to winning the league title every year or every second year for the most part. He's been in teams that he thrives under that winning environment and when we've seen him over the past few years when when we've struggled as a club his effort level drops. He doesn't seem to want to put the work in to elevate us back up there. He doesn't feel like it's kind of He doesn't want to burden that responsibility. And I think a lot of United fans might see that in terms of when Bruno came in. Bruno was happy to fight for the ball, fight for the win. Unhappy if he's taken off in the 89th minute of the game. Not something you often would see with Pogba at all. Um, Kind of happy to go off, happy to sit on the bench. Doesn't really complain about it, but he isn't arsed um, in one aspect of it. But now that he sees these other talented players come in he thinks, oh, maybe we can go somewhere. Like, I can, my brilliant passing skills and IQ on the ball, people are going to receive that now. Like, players like Cavani and Bruno around them are going to benefit from that. That he feels like the players around them might live up to his own ability now. So he feels like putting in the, the work and pulling off these incredible passes because he knows an incredible player is going to be at the end of it. I think he might have been frustrated at times putting balls into the box or trying to pull off these fancy passes because he was used to very talented players around them because they'd be able to read the game and know where the balls going to end up. They'd be on the end of an incredible pass but they knew to make space for him to be a bit more creative in the game where he might have not felt that around other players in the team like Probably you had the likes of Flaney in the team at some point, and um, some of the talents that we've had over the past few years has been kind of questionable in terms of maybe football IQ. Like I enjoy Fellaini as a player for he is what he is. He's kind of a target man. He's a bit of a bully on the ball, and but he's not the kind of style of player that Pogba would probably want to play alongside. So now that he sees an improvement team, team that's finished. Back in the top four, we, we were in the top half of the table. We were in first for the first half of the season, and now we've sat in second or third for the majority of the second half that he sees that maybe we can push on and uh, push for a title and maybe push for the Europa League this season as well.
0: Yeah, and I was going to try it. Like, do, do you think maybe Paul Pogba tries to or wants to carry the, the weight of the world on his shoulders? but at times can't really deal with that pressure and that's why he underperforms. And then when you have someone like Bruno Fernandes coming in and taking that, we'll say limelight or spotlight responsibility off him, we're seeing a better Pogba. We're seeing maybe a more relaxed Pogba. Um, one that's more of a, I'd, I'd say he's been more of a team player this season than since he's come back obviously in into the team than he's ever been. Been a team player before with with United, and obviously Steve mentioned that he had some quality players, and he had a great obviously relationship with um, with Zlatan, and he was I think the two of them combined for for a lot of goals in, in that season with with Zlatan at the club. Um, what way would you look at that, Dave? When obviously Bruno comes in, have you seen a shift in Pogba's mentality that he goes like he he thinks maybe okay? I don't have to carry this team or do you think that's been a burden why he hasn't performed?
1: Um, It's a good point. Um, I, I probably have never thought about it that way. I mean, I guess Bruno lo- loves I don't want to say loves the limelight but he's he's willing to take the pressure. He's willing to he wants the ball all the time. He's ready to to take take control, and um, you know, listen. He, I guess, Pogba arrived in, and he had lads like Fellaini and Mkhitaryan, and um, and and Lukaku to to an extent. He, you know, now he's got Bruno taking the pressure off him. Um, he's got somebody like Cavani in front of him. Um, I mean, I know we talked about it in the group during the week, but if Cavani was to leave, which I expect he will, and he was replaced with somebody like Harry Kane, I mean, that, that's the sort of, that's the sort of quality that I'm sure Paul Pagba wants to play with, like he's going away to play with France and he's playing with Mbappe, <laughs> you know, and uh, like he, play top players like that, like to play with top players, you know. So um now that doesn't excuse just not bothering his ass like he has at times, you know. People had argued with me before because he frustrated me when, you know, he doesn't track a man or he loses his man at a corner or he doesn't win the ball in the air. And that was the case for a long time and he's six foot one and a bit He's built like a brick house, you know. All these things were you know, trying to find his position and all that sort of nonsense. A player like that can can play can play anywhere. He should be able to play at left back, in fairness, if if required, you know. Um, but no, it, it seems like his attitude has changed, and maybe that's because there isn't as much pressure on him. Maybe it's because the. You know the goals are coming from Rashford, they're coming from Bruno, they're coming from Greenwood, and um, they're coming from a, a lot of other places now. That um, Cavani obviously as well. Um. So yeah, like I, I, probably didn't look at it that way before. Maybe uh, like I don't, I don't think he actually goes out of his way. Looking for attention, like I, by all accounts, players who play with him, coaches say, you know, when he goes into when he goes into training, like he's very good humoured and he's always got a smile on his face. But he's always professional, professional, and he always works hard. And he's and he's a great lad to have around the place. So I, I don't think he necessarily goes out and, and looks for this limelight that he just inevitably gets because he's you know super talented and he cost a a world record fee at the time and um and underperformed and didn't um or didn't perform as consistently as as he really should have um so listen i mean i'm willing to enjoy it for what it is right now um i'm delighted to see him Performing like he did, and even when he was injured a couple of weeks ago, we saw that there were games that he would unlock. You know where he would find a winner when when we couldn't. You know the the game against Fulham actually strikes me that his goal against against Fulham was one of those games where it felt like he was. You know Bruno wasn't on it that night. I think he scored the equalizer, but he wasn't really on it. And he was frustrated and and there were games when Bruno was going to be like that, or there's going to be games where Bruno's going to be closed down an awful lot of the time. And uh, and Pogba is in this when you don't have when he's in the form he's in at the minute. So listen, I'd be delighted if if he was content with this. And and maybe it is a thing that the pressure that he was under um was too much and didn't he didn't really enjoy being under it and he didn't really enjoy the pressure that came with it and didn't enjoy the whole thing with... He probably had a decent relationship with Mourinho, but he he came into the crossfire at times as well. So, And he might be looking at the Serie A table and sees that Juventus are doing worse than we are. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You would have to ask him. I don't know. But it's... um. Yeah, maybe just the increase in quality and consistency is, is helping him as much as anybody else.
0: Yeah, I had to have a quick Google there um, just to check Pogba's height. I think you mentioned 6'1", and I was like, well, I'm 5'11". Pogba is definitely a good, good <laughs> few inches high, taller, so it's, he's like 6'3". 6'3", all right, okay. Because yeah. um, I remember I was listening to something during the week and, and Rio Ferdinand said he went to the to the game on Sunday. And he forgot. He said he bumped into Paul Pogba, but he forgot what a what a beast of a man he is <laughs> just in terms of of his of his presence. And um, we might move. You know
1: what, it's funny. I mentioned that. Uh, I, I. It's funny that I've said it because I was watching the the two minute silence at the beginning of the game um, on Sunday, and I couldn't believe the, the height difference between him and Cavani. I just I thought Cavani was a really tall. Guy, but he's, he's not really well. He's about the same height as you, but I just he was standing beside Pogba, and I was like, "Jeez, there's a there's a bit of a difference." And
0: <laughs> um, we might just look at the other side of that game, and obviously Spurs. Mourinho seems to be cracking up, Steve, and um, coming out with his with his obviously his comments or his response to to his comments about San and. If that was his son, he wouldn't be feeding him. And then Mourinho's response, saying, "Well, thank God, son's father is a greater man than than Oli." Do you think it's just coming to the end with Mourinho at, we'll say, big clubs?
2: Yeah, it's. We've seen him bounce around a few clubs over the past. Few seasons and there's been times where he hasn't been manager and everybody would love to see Mourinho do well in terms of how fun it was to watch him do interviews and how fun the Premier League was having him in charge of that Chelsea team the first time around because you'd be tuning in you're like "What what did he say this week what what rant did he go on or comments that he made what was he doing on the touchline it was it was a show but well, it was a show that kind of ran it course um and just doesn't work in the current environment it's especially when your team's not performing well like he takes a lot of the spotlight and even that interaction with with Solskjaer is it was just odd like it didn't seem to have any great context to anything like it was just a baffling war of not even a war of war words between the two it was just yeah you'd kind of you'd question me you'd question all a bit as well in terms of what led to him making that comment anyway um but i i don't think he, he's a right fit for spurs anyway um because he needs a bit more money to spend to make his own team and Spurs aren't a team who tend to spend a lot of cash at transfer windows. So it's not a team you can change quite quickly in two or three years. You're not gonna bring in much talent, especially with them moving into that new stadium. It's a lot of money's gone gone in that direction for them. And the worry for them would be their position in the table. Um obviously they want Champions League football. They need the money coming in so they can actually Keep some of the talent they have, and by bringing in other talent to play with them, because everyone's going to question Kane: stay or go? Like, do you want to win a trophy while you're in your prime, or are you going to play all your days at at Spurs? Because I don't think you're going to win anything while you're there. Um, but where would Mourinho go if he leaves, or is if, if they part ways? Because his track record over the past few seasons isn't great. Like People probably mention PSG. If they don't win to the Champions League, we'll probably look for a new manager. because Yeah, you'll get the sack no matter what happens. If they reach the final and lose, yeah, you're out of here. But Mourinho's not going to change that for them. He's not going to bring stability stability to the club at all. I don't think he brings that to any club he's at. And I, I don't know what, how you feel about that, but he's not a, a manager to steady any ship.
0: I was, I was just kind of picturing there when you said Mourinho to Paris Saint-Germain and Kylian Mbappe playing as a, a left wing back. Um, just couldn't picture it at all, but um, Dave, can you see Spurs getting top four? I think there are six points off um, West Ham at the moment. Seven, six, seven games to go. Um, Absolutely not. No?
1: Absolutely no. not. No way. Not not even close. Yeah. Um, I even looked at the top four today, and looked at the points, and looked at the the remaining fixtures. Uh, Liverpool would be blessed if they if they get into the top four. Um, so Spurs, being as awful as they are at the minute, and completely unable to hold on to a lead, <clears throat> um, which is which is a merino trademark. Um, and I'll admit, straight at the gate, um I have been a Marino fan for, for a considerable amount of time. I I do like the guy. Um uh even when he was running down the touchline at United, I I, I could I could admire him, you know. But um Real Madrid ruined that chap. He just he he when he came back from there, he just wasn't the same. I don't know if he's paranoid, I don't know if he just doesn't trust anybody anymore. Um, but he's 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 running out of clubs, and I think they are the only job other than uh, Pochettino's on an eighteen-month contract at, at PSG. So it's not the most. Um, but do you sack Pochettino for for Mourinho? If you have anything between your two ears at this moment in time, no, you don't. Um, I would think the Sorry, I'm out. just
0: going to say Spurs did it so.
1: Well, yeah, but with Spurs at least you could justify you could justify it by saying, okay, they he'd been there what four years, five years, maybe they'd they'd gone through a cycle. Let's say like Deli Ali had stopped performing, and and you know I could see the logic where you think, okay, maybe Pochettino has brought us as far as we was as we can get, and he's gotten us to finals. Maybe now we need somebody who's gonna bring trophies back and Marino is kind of your guy for trophies or at least he was um as he'll keep reminding you but it's um but let, let, let's say for argument's sake they do sack him um if they don't win the Champions League which would s- seem extremely unfair but um maybe it does happen. Do they take a chance on Marino? I, I the only thing I can see from now is the Portugal job Quite honestly, that's the only thing I can see for him. Um, it's just uh, he's he's blaming everybody. He's blaming the players, and he's pointing the finger everywhere. And he hasn't evolved with the game. It doesn't it doesn't seem, which is strange because every time I listen to him talk about football, I understand his his thinking. I, I you know, when he was a pundit, like he explained things well and. Like I just I don't understand it, but if he keeps turning on people and throwing the players under the under the bus, then uh, then you, you're just you're just not going to get anywhere. And with their with their record at the moment, you know they couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep everything out. They couldn't keep United out. They they're just dropping points all over the place. And there's just top four, absolutely not. Which is exactly why I was saying. Um, during the week, that Harry Kane has to be, if he has any sort of uh, ambition about winning trophies, um, he has to get out of there. He's been very loyal. He really has. He's been very, very loyal. And uh, same for Son. Son's an exceptional player. Like he, he is fantastic. And I would have signed. I, I would be happy with him at my club. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic player. The pair of them would have to say, where do we go from here? Because if you keep Marino, then it, you know you're, you've got a little bit more of the same. And if you don't, then you're starting off another cycle of another manager, and another philosophy and another plan. And the years of, of their career are, are going are going slowly but surely. And uh, I don't know how old son is. I think he's a bit younger than
0: Kane,
1: but mm. Kane Kane is reaching his prime and he needs to be making decisions.
0: Yeah, um I suppose like sometimes would, just my opinion on, on on Kane I can I can almost see him staying at Spur. I know there's been obviously reports um this week saying that if they don't get Champions League, he will look to to move on. But again, whether that's true or not. As a United fan, I can picture him in a United Jersey more so than than a lot of other clubs, um, which, which would would be great. But also I look at Harry Kane and sometimes I tried I nearly compare him to an Alan Shearer. Yeah, Alan Shearer, of course, he obviously won the the league with Blackburn, but he stayed loyal to his beloved Newcastle, became the all time leading goalscorer in the Premier League, obviously. True goals wish um obviously Blackburn um Southampton and obviously majority of them wish with Newcastle so I I don't know would Kane see that as an ambition of course winning trophies would be fantastic but if he was to stay at Spurs Mourinho would would leave someone else would come in with more attacking creative style of football and get them again maybe potentially challenging for trophies um also the potential of trying to become the, the all-time leading goalscorer in the Premier League and by doing it in a Spurs shirt, maybe that's his his drive. Maybe that's his motivation. And I suppose, who are we really to to, to question that if that's what, what, what he wants? And at the end of the day, Mourinho could pull off a masterclass. Is it this weekend against City in the League Cup or the weekend after? But I'm just saying... I, mm. I think we've thrown this question out in the podcast before. If, like for me, obviously I'm not a Spurs fan, but if Spurs obviously were to win the the League Cup and finish fourth, I think that's a fantastic season for Spurs. But I also think it's a good season for Spurs if they win a League Cup and finish whatever sixth, seventh. I I think that's a good season considering. Um, I don't know whether you, whether you you'd agree, Steve, or, or or not. Yeah, like I think. Um,
2: I say, I think, but my brother is a Spurs fan, and he'd be happy. Get on the
0: podcast.
2: He'd be happy to win a trophy under Mourinho. Like Spurs fans in in general, I think we're happy to see any silverware coming in the door, because how long they've gone without, for the most part. Um, what I think, top four would still be their aim. Um, and they'd probably. I know from talking with him, he'd, he'd kind of expect a top four finish, especially under Mourinho. Like, that's why he's kind of there. But then, he, for himself, he'd prefer a top four finish over uh, the, the League Cup. Um, which, I don't know if every Spurs fan is going to say the same. I know you have Spurs fans in your house, don't you?
0: Um, or is oh, it Arsenal? Chelsea.
2: Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Rivals. <laughs> Family rivals, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a good season. It's, if they were to get that cup and finish fourth somehow, like they're two games in the next coming days, and if they win both, they kind of give them a good good shot at the, a top four finish. But they need to win those games back-to-back to be in with a shout. And I think it's against Everton and then Southampton. If I'm correct,
0: yeah, double double game week for yeah. for Kane and Son in in fantasy football. Um,
2: if they need like if they drop points in either of those games, I think, I think it's gonna be all over for a top four finish. Like it's gonna be a struggle because like West Ham, Leicester, even Liverpool on that chase, and Chelsea up there, I like, It's gonna be hard to push ahead of them in terms of a points total in the next six to eight games, it, It's it's tough, especially if you drop points now.
0: Yeah, um, I just had a quick look there um, and it's FA Cup. Speaking about
2: kind of game, sorry, there is a picture I'll have to find of me and Gary from about nine years ago outside um, a Spurs and New York Red Bulls match where we met Harry Kane. I hadn't got a clue who he was at the time, he didn't even play, he was a, a U-team player who, who came out, and uh, we got his signature, um, no, I have a signature on a flag at home, that he was he was really polite and everything, that's the first interaction, or, and he knew of Harry Kane, I was like, who was that guy, and they were like, oh, that was Harry Kane, and you're like, okay, that's that's nice, don't know who he is.
0: Hopefully he's good one day. Have a signature. I remember that actually, Stephen. And we were outside, and there was obviously a gang of us waiting for it. It was Spurs Red Bull friendly game. We said there was only probably about 20 of us waiting around for all the players. And um, I think Carrie Kane was one of the first, and he literally went around to everyone, got a picture and stuff. And we were, I think we were almost like Googling who he was. We're like, oh, yeah, he's on loan at Norwich last season. Um, really nice lad. And you remember Garrett Bale came out, and he was it Garrett Bale? And he went straight to. Um, it went straight to the bus and everyone just started booing him. <laughs> Walked straight by yeah. us.
2: Afford... <laughs> and we we got to meet Raphael van der Vaart and yeah, that was that was kind of the big name.
0: Yeah, um, a few lads, but um. Yeah, I think we'll do, we'll finish up obviously on the on, on, on the Spurs talk because if any Spurs fans are listening, they're very very down and depressed. Can, can
1: I just can I just say just before we finish it up, um, they might win the League Cup and and a top four finish. Is that a good season for Spurs? I can't see how any Spurs fan would be happy with that, because if you were a, a Spurs fan, you're going from challenging for league titles with Pochettino. Getting to a Champions League final, and then the, then the reality of how awful their season has been. Like it started out really good, and then it's slowly become an embarrassment. Their defense is all over the shop. Uh, they've got Bale, who they've spent a fortune in wages on, who's got something like eight goals in seven months, and and they've got their manager slating some of the players and. And, and the, the League Cup okay, yes, it would be a trophy and yes they'd be happy with it, but would they sit back at the end of it and say, Yeah, I'm happy with this season? I can't I can't picture that they would. I think they'd be saying, Can we get rid of Mourinho? Can we like or do do we get rid of Mourinho? Do is Kane gonna stay? Is Sam gonna stay? Is uh like, like I can't. I sorry to the Spurs fans listening. I, I would be, I would be miserable. I just, I wouldn't be seeing a a a real silver lining other than the League Cup. And let's be fair, you know they're going into a game against City where they can't get a win to to save their life. And as for top four, West Ham are in smashing form um we we can kind of assume that united and city are going to be make up two of the top four so are they in in anywhere near good enough form to challenge chelsea or west ham i don't see it not not in not, not in the next six games or seven games I, I don't see it
0: yeah um steve i was going to say Maybe we'll try get your brother on the the podcast as a as a Spurs fan the the week of or maybe even the week after the uh, the League Cup final just to, to get his perspective um, on it. it Depending might be, on the results, yeah. Well, the, I think yeah, depend. I think depends if it goes one way or the other. I think it'll still be interesting to hear from a Spurs fan because the 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 point that you made, Dave, was that if you were a Spurs fan, if they won the League Cup and finished outside top four, you wouldn't be particularly happy so um it would be interesting so maybe ask him if he's if he wants to jump on some uh, some evening steve um we might- i move on just to another topic which has obviously been in the um, or another player that, that has been kind of a topic of conversation over the last couple of weeks, but uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I know people might think, oh yeah, three United fans, here we go. Here comes the, the Trent Alexander-Arnold bashing. Um, it's, it's, it's a strange one. And I know we were speaking a bit off, off air before we started the podcast about Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I might come to you first, Dave. Just... What's 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 your views as obviously a non-Liverpool fan on Trent Alexander-Arnold at the moment? Do you think he deserves a, a seat going to um to the Euros this summer? Um what do you think about his form this season? If I don't know if you want to highlight the the defending aspects of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen. Firstly, I am still shocked that it's. I said it to you off camera, off uh, off air first. You know, I, I'm staggered that that it's even a conversation. As far as I'm concerned, based on the last two years or so, if you're picking a right back to play for England, you you need to be picking Trent Alexander Arnold. And I don't really understand what like Kyle Walker is is a very good fullback, um, and and Kieran Trippier isn't bad, but he's you know he's at the back end of his career, um, he's in his thirties, he's hanging out in um, in Italy. You know, Trent has been the the on form fullback for the last couple of years. His distribution is phenomenal. What he adds to your attack is is just fantastic. So, why his seat on the plane would be in question, I, I don't really I don't really get. But um, this season hasn't been great, and I'm sure as far as form is concerned he has, he's come into this season with obviously a really good relationship with Van Dijk. And I would imagine losing such a a strong commanding figure, a leader at the back. Um, Bear in mind, he's what, 22? Is he 21, 22 years old? You know, you you lose somebody, you lose that voice beside you. And, uh, and I'm sure it's had an effect. Um, and you know, listen, it's it's unfortunate not for for us as United fans, but it's it's unfortunate that you know they've they've had a lot of rotated injuries, and you're he doesn't really know who's going to be playing with from week to week, and um and it's you know it is it's it's unfortunate for him, it's unfortunate for his development. They also played at a very, very high level for for two for two seasons. So a dip in form was was due at some stage. You know we re- we remember with Glee as United fans the game where he lost the ball thirty eight times. You know there are going to be those there are going to be those dips. There are going to be those games. But uh, if you're going into a big competition and you have any sort of high on winning it, then he needs to be he needs to not only be on the bench. he needs to be in your starting eleven, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, I, I agree. I think he has to definitely go um, but I can I can also see why um, there might be some rotations just based on again who who they're playing against. Um, but um Steve, when when you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, and obviously Dave mentioned that the high intensity of of Liverpool over the last couple of seasons, but we, I almost feel like he's been kind of highlighter. He's been the one that's picked out out of everyone because that whole Liverpool team, including Salah, including Mane, have been underperforming. Maybe Jota is the the exception to the to to the rule this season, but they've all underperformed and. Again, Dave mentioned, if you're missing your key centre-back, your partner, that's Virgil van Dijk, you're probably not going to perform to the best of your ability because maybe there has been cases, again, I obviously wouldn't have watched too many Liverpool games, but maybe van Dijk was always there to to cover Trent Alexander-Arnold getting up and down the, the, the pitch. So you had that reassurance that if he did go forward, that he had someone capable of um, covering him, looking out for him, um, and that obviously is impacting, in, impacting Liverpool. What's your thoughts um, on on Trent and everything that, that's been made about him?
2: It seems like he, in the media to some degree, is being made of a scapegoat on the Liverpool team this season, which is kind of odd. Like, I've watched him all, nearly every week, and yeah they are performing poorly as a team like overall like everyone knows that but he's being picked out on like he's going forward and then there's been games where he's put 20 plus crosses into the box and nobody's been on the end of them or they've missed their mark but he's getting, he's still getting into those good attacking positions where he has the ball um, and he's producing those crosses, nobody's getting on the end of them but nobody's in form like those connections between him and Salah or him and Mane or Firmino or whoever it might be, isn't there. Like, But it's not there between anyone on the field at the moment for Liverpool. It's very um, very mismatched um, parents in centre midfield or whether it be in centre defence. Like, You don't know who's going to start. You don't know who's going to be fit. And from going from a season where you had Van Dijk behind you, you're probably quite confident. He's one of the best centre-backs in the world at the moment. Um, he's got my back. He has a high IQ in terms of, uh, on the defensive side anyway, when we're talking about Van Dijk. So he, it gives the ability for uh, Trent to push up the field a bit more and play that style. And Trent's probably playing the exact same style of football, but he doesn't have that solid defender behind him to to rely on, to move in behind them when somebody's coming down the wing, when he's maybe too far up the field and kind of getting caught out in that aspect. But to criticise him so often, like the media has done, seems quite unfair for a player of his age who's still, you'd say, his game, even though he's probably one of the best right-backs in the world. And I know coming from a United fan, you don't like to give Liverpool players such a... But he's up there. That it, w- it was bound to happen that he's going to make mistakes, but it's just all coming in this one season where the entire Liverpool team are making mistakes, and it could just be down to they were so used to playing that same eleven, knowing where each other is. He like they played pure They knew I put this ball down the right wing. Salah was going to get onto the end of it. They could do it with their eyes closed at points. They know. Oh, Trent's on the ball, the ball's coming into the box. They, they knew where each other's going to be. And this season, I think it's been a real struggle for them. Um, and you probably look at the people, probably compare him to his uh, counterpart on the other side of the pitch, who is probably a better like, the defensive side of things and um, doesn't get caught out as much, but it's kind of just. Why would you pick on just that one player so often when it's a poor, flawed performance overall? Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm, 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 I'm getting lost for thoughts here.
1: (laughs) One other thing is that Gary Neville made a point um, when they were discussing it on Monday Night Football that, you know, if you are in the opening game against Croatia, you know, he's gonna have Ivan Perisic then then the left hand side running at him and and that's that's a fine point to make, but they're in a group with Scotland the Czech and the Czech Republic. So are they are you telling me that you, you don't trust Trent Alexander Trent Alexander Arnold to play against Scotland or the Czech Republic? Okay, there might be a, a concern for Croatia but one is it that much of a concern and two if you just put Kyle Walker in for that game um against Croatia on the opener and then play Trent for the other two games you know obviously you're gonna want someone like Trent whipping, whipping in balls to uh to be Croatian and, and the Czech Republic and I don't believe for a second he's that much of a liability um on the, on the back end to, to justify him not being there I mean I, I don't um, I don't know how many you, know, you might tell me how many fullbacks they they, they they bring along with them but with all respect to Kyrian Trippier and he had an excellent World Cup last time around do you really need him? like at this point like I like, I like him but do, do you really is there really a need? Hmm. you know
0: yeah, and like and the, the one thing I'd I'd probably question in, in the whole Trent Alexander Arnold kind of saga is um Garrett it's kind of treatment of him and in terms of um his reasoning for why he dropped them. It wasn't the case of that like he could have easily I think come out and said, Do you know what? Again, he's had two very intense um seasons where leaving him out to rest them. Um he's had a lot of game time for Liverpool, but he pretty much said he was he's been shit. Um which I kind of found a little bit surprising by by Southgate. And that's me that quote
1: was
0: Gary <laughs> <laughs> and um obviously that kind of fueled the fire for the the media then to to jump on top of it and then um like I think we all kind of agree it's been probably blown completely out of proportion. Um but I suppose that's Southgate's thinking, like he's always been the manager that said he will only pick pick players in form or based on form, um. And again, you, Kieran Trippier, for example, sure he's been suspended, hasn't he, for the last 10, 11 weeks for his betting situation over in uh, in Madrid, um. So he's hasn't exactly been been, been playing, um. Yeah, no, it's it's. It's a weird uh, one but I
1: t- Sancho in the squad because I know he's been talked about and he's been out for like a month yeah. or, or or more like
0: yeah he he I, t- I think he might even struggle to to get into the squad based on what Saka thinks and what 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 is kind of logic behind making decisions decisions are and um, mm-hmm. But be, it would, like, I think that obviously that that England squad is a very talented one and I wouldn't fancy being the the manager or coach to try pick a or trim it down to to twenty three man squad. But um I'm sure that's a that's a debate for um for another day. Like we always do guys we might just finish up on a bit of uh, fantasy um premier league. Um I'm climbing that table. I'm up the highest I've been all season 18th. So buzzing. Um but obviously double game week for for Spurs. I actually made my transfers today. I don't normally make them that this uh this early. And I made a decision, I think it was about six or seven game weeks ago that I wasn't going to take any more hits. The minus four is minus eight. So I was going to do my best just to stick within the the the, the one or two free transfers I have a week. And I managed to, to do it again this week. So um I brought in Lloris, A bit of a gamble, but I needed another goalkeeper instead of Pope. So I just took a gamble with Larice, and obviously. Probably a lot of people are bringing Son back into their into their team. Um, Captain and Harry came with the with the double game week. Um, Stevie, bringing in a couple of Spurs lads this week. Um, I know you're actually sitting top of the the monthly, um, the monthly table for for April. So there's a lot um, a lot of big decisions to be made for you this month, Steve.
2: Yeah, I I, I quite question because I already have Kane and Son in the team I don't know should I bring a third option in or not like there's no other team performing who have a, a double game week it's just Spurs this time around Um, who do I bring in do I bring in someone like Larris? Um, because you know he's going to play both games Or, but I don't think will they keep clean sheets the defence has been a bit leaky um, he might he might lose both games. In fairness, he might lose both games, and Kane and at least Kane and Son will score. But uh, you'll probably lose. You don't bring Bale in because you don't know if Bale's gonna play. Um, it's hard to pick another player in that squad. who's gonna give you a great return. Like honestly, because assist wise and goal wise, it, it's basically just one or two players who ever score or assist the goal at Spurs at the moment.
0: Yeah, Dave, um what's your thinking ahead of game week 32?
1: Well, um, since I am pretty much where I have been all uh, for the past 6 months. Um, I did you know what? I suffered because uh, especially last week bloody Liverpool and and uh, and City just screwed me over. I only salvaged a really good week because I made the call last week to pull in as many West Ham players as I could. So uh so Suchek and uh and Lingard made a made a huge difference for me. Um I have some calls to make. I I had Rudiger in for a while and I he he did really well, um, but he's been dropped a couple of times. Um I've had Telemans in pretty much since the start of the season, and of course Leicester are on are on a downward spiral. Um, Ollie Watkins, he's a smashing player. I just I can't uh, I can't bring myself to to take him out, but uh, I'm going to have to do something about about City because I've got uh, Cancelo and I've got Diaz and. Could they play they might not play I I don't know Bruno's probably going to stay in there all season I've I've had Richarlison in for a while as well because he's one of those one of those players who tends to go under the radar quite a bit but um, I don't know I, I got rid of Matt Doherty last week I got rid of Antonio uh, Mikhail Antonio don't know if he's going to play again for the rest of the season
0: I think he's um, in
1: yeah and um, I've got Martinez still in goal, so um, some of those lads are. are but the the, the defence needs needs looking at. Um, because I'm I'm on the same page as you at this at this point in the season. What's the point in in taking a hit on points? So. Um, yeah, if if I can if I can remain, remain in touching distance with Donica, I'll be happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, two lads are in a league of their own there. Um mm. I was gonna say, anyone else have uh, Stuart Dallas 17 points sitting on their bench? I did. Um devastating because Gundigan came on for I think was it 23 minutes? Um, classic pep roulette. So um Dallas didn't well, Le-
1: Le- Leeds is a roulette in its own, in its in itself as well, because these guys could could turn up and absolutely smash a team five or six nil, or they they could get danced on. You know, it's it's a real, it's a real, oh, Bielsa roulette as well.
0: <laughs> There's a few of them going around. There's uh, Thomas Tuchel roulette. Pep Roulette, like I said, potentially Bielsa Roulette as well. Um,
1: Here's a question, just just it's uh, come into my head and I... Um, go for it. I'm a frequent listener to The Stand, Eamon uh podcast, and I try not to listen to the football because himself and John Giles are atrocious to listen to. But they have this thing that kind of has I've seen circulated a bit around in the media. You know, uh John Giles obviously played for Leeds for a long, long time, and um they're both one of they're both these critics who talk about how amazing the Alsa would be at United, and they give him this huge amount of credit for the bravery of his teams and, and so on and so forth, which not to take away from, but I I don't really understand why if if Solskjaer for example played with the the nonchalance of of Bielsa and United got hammered as regularly as as Leeds do at times and got the result like United haven't lost have lost one game in 25 but they're still all he gets gets a bit of stick you know from different corners of media but but we also seems to to get away with it you know I, I don't i don't i don't get it like i mean i know they're they're when they're good they're brilliant but when they're when they're bad they're they're awful so
0: yeah <sighs> the the only the only thing i can put my finger on for something like that is it's um promotional or promoted team mentality in a sense that I don't know you, you don't expect a team like like that just came up from the Premier League to just have a go and be so attack minded because we're used to I don't know we're used to promote teams kind of sitting back 11 men behind the ball potentially getting a, a goal from a set piece or something like that to get a draw salvage a draw or sneak a a a win so that's the only reason i can can see the plot it's going in for bielsa and obviously as as a neutral i think we all enjoy watching a leeds game because we know there's going to be goals you know it's going to be entertaining even the wasn't it the the, the one all draw with City earlier on in the season was a was a cracker of a game and even the the, the Leeds Chelsea you think that finished nil all that was a pretty decent game as well for for a nil all. But I do kind of I I hundred percent agree with you today, but and I do kind of think Bielsa to be a again I don't know too much about him because I didn't really follow obviously his career abroad and stuff like that. But I'd look at it and say for him to be a really, really good manager, should he not be changing his tactics for certain games? I guess For sure. Be-
1: I mean, uh, uh, as far as I was looking at it, if, if Solskjaer made the calls that he made, he would be called inexperienced, he'd be called clueless, he'd be called whatever. But if Bielsa made these same calls at United, would there be as would it be as Bielsa in and Bielsa out as it is for Oli every two or three weeks?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Any Anything to add to to, to the Bielsa comments there, Steve? Uh,
2: like, I, I think it's more so in the fact that Leeds spent so long out of the Premier League that he just gets so much credit for bringing them back to the promised land. Like, that's, they see him probably in a higher regard than, than the average football fan, to be fair. Which is which is fair enough, like that mm. they spent so long down there and went through so many managers, but he was the one and he did it in such a way of that kind of a tack and style football and he carried it through to the Premier League, like he didn't up and change it and parked the bus since he arrived. And he seems to be a bit of a character as well, so he's an enjoyable um man to watch and Yeah, no, don't no don't get
1: me wrong, I do I do wanna say I do I do think he's a a great coach. I, I do like him. Uh, I do definitely like him. But I I just I, I had to turn the stand off the other day because they were they were talking about I don't want to be disrespectful for Solskjaer, but could you imagine what Man United would be if Bielsa was in there? I'm kind of going, yeah, they'd be losing the game every, for the defenders that we have. They'd be losing a game every every 3 or 4 weeks and it could be embarrassing. Uh, like we could get absolutely smashed um and and like that will be okay but like solskjaer has gone a year a year without losing a game away and uh and has has lost one game in 25 and there is still this thing of him like being a fish out of water or some or some or something like that you know it, it I wonder how long he needs to be in the job before they stop talking about him like he shouldn't be there, kind of thing, or like I don't know. You know, um, it's just a little bit of an an odd one. He's he, he's done a he, he's done a decent job, certainly in the last year. So um, yeah, I, I just at the end of the day, I just have to turn it off. I was listening to. A Leeds fan and I didn't know. Even not a Liverpool fan, like a die-hard Liverpool fan. Um, and listen to these two guys saying, you know, to be honest, it should be. I was like, God, do you know what? I just turned it off. Um, but yeah, I was just curious to see what your thoughts were on it. Mm,
0: yeah. Um. No, it's a, it's a very good thing to to, to bring up, and um, it, it, it is, and again. It, would be great to have a Leeds fan come on to the to the podcast and and chat about it kind of more in depth if 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 we can ever get one that that's um, willing to 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 jump. Talk about it. Yeah, but um, speaking of uh, PE teachers or PE managers or whatever you want to call them, I suppose three of us are probably associated by being a PE teacher in terms of our league positions in uh, fancy football. But who <laughs> are we? Um, who are we captain this week is it is it a Spurs player for you, Steve?
2: Yeah, I think I'll go with Kane or someone. I think it's just a toss up, just because they have the two games and they they're most likely to throw an a- goals or an assist.
0: Yeah, like it, it's kind of guaranteed. Yeah, um, same with you, Dave. Are you going different? <laughs> you know,
1: I, I, I I don't have a Spurs player in the squad. Um, no more tomorrow. Sun. No, no, I got rid of Son. Um. He just went off the boil for a while and it just it just wasn't working. Uh, so I, I took him out. Um, to be honest with you, I I have I've I've stuck with Bruno pretty much last six months. Um, I would be tempted to to switch it to Lingard. The, the chap is on fire at the moment. Um, New captain, I think
0: isn't it for West Ham? He was he was
1: my vice captain last week, and I was raging that I, that I didn't. Uh, switch it around, but um no, you know what, I do know even in a double game week it, it's not going to make that much of a difference for me at this point, so um no I'm, I'm not bringing the spurs player in they're just they're just poison at the minute they they really are they're just even when we were watching them the, last week, even Ston just wasn't as he wasn't the player that i I love watching play. You know, um. So no, I'll, I'll leave Spurs out of for the moment. Yeah, it'll either be Bruno or Lingard,
0: Yes, Steve, did you um, captain Lingard last week? I did. Yeah, I, I
2: took the risk. It's just um, great form. He's on fire. It's that um, it's kind of like back a few weeks ago when uh, Garungan, like um, performing for City weekend week in week out scoring, that people were kind of. He, he even and Han of will I take him onto the team or will I will I not? And he continued to perform. Like I think that's, that's the stage of season where Lingard's like that, and I, to, to not have him in your team I think is a an mistake. And um, yeah, I just thought it was a perfect opportunity. I thought West Ham's are are gonna probably smash in a few, which they did in the end, and Lingard was involved, so it, it worked out. And it is tempting, rather than a Spurs player, for it to be. likes of Lingard again because of his form it's just incredible like Bruno's dropped a bit of his form recently in terms of points returns and fancy football but um yeah Lingard's a good he's kind
1: kind of at the moment he's like the pass before the assist type thing
0: it'll be and just speaking of, of, of Lingard and kind of even I suppose it's just even it's kind of coming up to that time of the year where team of the season is, is announced um, and I know obviously we did a podcast um, earlier in our kind of series on on team of the season halfway through the season and Son and Kane both made it so it would just be interesting when we come around to it again whether the, the two of those players make it but just out of curiosity it would be interesting to see whether Jesse like personally I don't think he should be in a team of the season but you never know the way people kind of just see the last couple of weeks and will throw Jesse Lingard into their team this season based off of nine, ten, eleven games or whatever that he's um that he's played. Um but we might uh, wrap it up there for for this week, lads. Um pleasure as always to to have you on, have the chats. I know um we did focus a lot on the United Spurs game, but there were just so many talking point, points from it for, for for both clubs. But um Thanks for, for jumping on, lads. And we um, we look forward to having you on again at some stage in the future. So um, enjoy the United game tomorrow night. Yeah, pleasure as always, guys. Good Bye. to talk to you. Take care. Take it easy, lads.